Are you ready to hear the vision? All right, all right. So we're taking a a break from our series in Luke uh, for the next three weeks. We're actually going to do a mini series beginning today about the vision, and we're calling it For All People to All People. And uh, so over the next 40 minutes, I'm going to be sharing with you some new and exciting things about glad tidings. So here's the deal. You're going to be tempted, right? You're going to be tempted to get out your phone and start posting stuff on social media. All right, don't do it. Don't do it quite yet. Wait till we get to the end of the service. Some of you um, have already gotten a few hints from our from our 930 service. Shame on them. They shouldn't have said anything. Uh, some of you are going to be surprised, um, but it's going to be awesome. So we're going to unpack this gift together. Uh, and I want to answer um, three big questions this morning about the, the future of Glad Tidings Church. And the three big questions are this. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? And how are we doing it? Uh, So I want to begin with the question, what? What's the big deal? What are we doing? What is this future vision? And and can I say this? This is what I've learned about God over the years, is that um, a lot of times we want something new from God, and God is wanting us to do something old. All right? In other words, um, God doesn't give us something new to do until we've done the old. Okay, so uh, track with me here a little bit. A lot of times, you know, we say, man, God, I want to know the will of God for my life or the will of God for 2018. I know personally I've I've asked that question. God, what what's your will for me this year? What would you have for me this year? And you know what I find a lot of times what God tells me is what he told me in 2017. Right. See, if you want to know the will of God, you have to. you have to first ask the question, what has he already asked me to do and am I doing it? And so as a leadership team here at Glad Tidings, we've asked that question. What has God already asked his church to do? And are we doing what he's already asked us to do? So this takes us to our text today, which is in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18. And Jesus is talking to his disciples. Uh, This is near the the very end of his ministry. He's about ready to be ascended into heaven, right? And he sits down with his disciples and he says this. Then Jesus came to them, meaning his disciples, and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has. Has been given to me. Now that's a big speak right there. Okay. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm it, baby. I'm the center of the universe. I'm the center of everything. Because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I am the authority. I am your new reality. See, sometimes we treat the gospel like it's this this rescue mission. It's this, you know, we got to rescue people who are dying and going to hell. It's this rescue mission. And God says, no, it's a reality mission. And the reality is this. Jesus said, I'm the king of kings and I am the Lord of lords. And I have come to this earth for a purpose. And it is to establish my kingdom, my rule and reign on planet earth. Verse 19, therefore, go and make disciples. 
of all nations. In other words, I want you to go to the nations and I want you to tell them that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I want you to tell the nations that I have come and I am coming again. I want you to tell them that when I came the first time, I inaugurated or initiated my rule and reign on this earth. But let them know I'm coming again to consummate it. I'm coming to complete it. I'm going to come back one day and I am going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And together we will live and we will rule and we will reign together forever and ever. Amen. Because I am Lord of all, because I have all authority in heaven on earth. Therefore, I want you to do something, church. I want you to go. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. Let them know that the king has come. And introduce them to the king. Make disciples of them. Disciples who follow after the king. Baptizing them in the name of the father. And of the son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey. Next slide please. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is what Jesus has already asked his church to do. He's already asked us, go and make disciples of all nations. How are we doing with that? How are we doing with that? How are you doing with that? Go make disciples of all nations. Another thing that Jesus asked the church to do, his disciples to do shortly before he left the earth, he said this. He said, don't leave Jerusalem. He said, don't leave Jerusalem. That's where they were. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for this gift that my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. How many of you know that God is a good God and he gives good gifts? And he said to his disciples, listen, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem because God has something special for you. He has a gift he wants to give to you. You've heard me talk about this gift, he said to him. He said, but wait in Jerusalem until you receive this gift. He said, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive this gift. And he said, when you are baptized, when you receive this gift of the Holy Spirit, then you will be my witnesses. Then you'll be able to go and make disciples of all nations, beginning in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he said, go make disciples. And he said, but wait, (laughs) what do I do here? Before you can go, you have to wait. You have to wait on God and, and receive this gift, this power, this baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the disciples said, okay, let's do what he said. And so they stayed in Jerusalem and they began to wait. And about 120 of them waited in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, including Peter. And on that day, they received this gift. They received this gift, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus said they would. And when they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, this this filling of the Spirit, they also received this power. And after they had been filled, the Bible says that Peter, who was Then full of the Holy Spirit, he stood up and he spoke up. How many of you know, sometimes you can't stand up and speak up until God fills you up. And he full of the Holy Spirit, he stood up and he spoke up and he began to tell the story of Jesus to thousands of people that day. He told the story of Jesus. And when he got to the end of the story, he looked at everybody and he said, you're the ones that crucified him. You crucified Jesus, the son of God. He said, it was your sin. It was your sin that nailed him to the cross. And the Bible says that the people that day, they were they were cut to the heart or cut asunder or convicted. 
It bothered them. It bothered them so much they began to cry out. How about this for an altar call? Peter, what must we do to be saved? (laughs) They're crying out, what must we do to be saved? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins. And the Bible says that those those who uh, accepted his message were baptized. You see, not everybody's going to accept the message that, that they crucified Jesus. Not everybody's going to accept the good news of the gospel, the story of Jesus. And the Bible says those who accepted the message don't get beat up, church, when people don't accept the message. OK, that's out of your control. We're just sowing seed, sowing seed, sowing seed, the good news. Right. Those that accepted were baptized that day. And the Bible says about three thousand people were added to the church that day. I mean, you know, that's a great, great start to the church. I mean, this is how the church was born. It was born in the power of the Holy Spirit. People were cut to the heart. They were crying out, what must I do to be saved? They were baptized, right? And God added to their number. It was an incredible, incredible day. And then what began to happen after that in that first church is exactly what we do here at Glad Tidings. They, they continued to meet together, the Bible says, and they uh, uh, they uh, they connected with God in their services. They had services. They connected with God in their services. They began to grow in in these groups that they were in, these small groups, and they also began to serve one another on ministry teams. <laughs> they were connecting, growing, and serving. Right? They were doing what we do. You can read about it in Acts chapter two, forty-two through forty-seven. And the Bible says that as they were doing these things, some amazing things were happening. Uh, they were together. Um, the Bible says that they were filled with the awe of God. When's the last time you were in awe of God? You were just like, oh, God, you are so awesome. They were filled with the awe of God out of all because of all the miracles that were taking place. The Bible says that they were happy. They were glad. They were eating together. I mean, you know, you can't have church until you're eating together, right? They were eating together. And here's what's amazing. The Bible says God added to their number those daily who were being saved. So this is the picture we have here. We have this church that is like this one big happy family of believers. They're experiencing miracles. They're eating together. They're sharing and and ministering to one another. Great things are happening, right? Wonderful, right? Not right. See, they were a happy, happy church. But we have to ask the question, was God happy? Was God happy? Pastor, where are you going with this? I'll tell you where I'm going. Is that what Jesus had in mind when he said, I will build my church? Is that what he had in mind? Acts chapter 2. Is that what Jesus had in mind when he said, go and make disciples of all the nations? Is that what he had in mind? And I would propose to you, no, that's not what he had in mind. Because what had happened with the church in Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem had gotten stuck. The mission, more precisely, the mission of God's church got stuck in Jerusalem. It got stuck and they became a gathering church rather than a scattering church. Can I tell you, the only reason God brings us together is to scatter us to the nations. 
And they were gathering, 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 but they were not scattering. And this bothered the heart of God so much that he allowed some outside pressure to come to the church. He allowed some outside pressure and it was in the form of persecution. God allowed persecution to come to the church in Jerusalem. And the Bible says that the apostles, they were arrested for telling the story of Jesus. Uh, They were put in jail. They were beaten severely for telling the story of Jesus. Uh, And then one of the deacons, he steps out of the kitchen one day, right? He was serving in the kitchen, making sure the widows were taken care of. A deacon steps out of the kitchen by the name of Stephen. And he goes out and he begins to tell the story of Jesus. And he tells the long version of the story of Jesus. And by the end of the story, they're throwing rocks at him. I got to be careful when I say he was stoned. But they stoned him. They, they killed him with rocks. It's a brutal way to die. He was the first martyr of the church. And the Bible says that on that day, a widespread persecution broke out against God's church in Jerusalem. And everyone was scattered except the apostles. And the Bible says that all the believers that were scattered outside of Jerusalem, they told the story of Jesus wherever they went. Was that a happy day for the church? Persecution breaks out. Was that a happy day for the church? Was that a happy day for God? I do know this. God will do whatever it takes to make sure that his mission does not get stuck in the church. He will make sure that his mission to go make disciples of all nations does not get stuck in the church. And can I tell you this morning, church, that we will be motivated by one of two voices. We will be motivated by one of two voices, the inside voice of the Holy Spirit telling us to go or the outside voice of circumstances. Apply that to your life. Okay. If that's true, you're going to be motivated by one of two voices, the inside voice of the spirit of God or the outside voices of your circumstances. And here's what I've realized. God will use either one to get you moving. He'll use either one to get you unstuck. He will allow pressure. He will allow circumstances to get you unstuck. Or he will allow the inside voice of the Holy Spirit. And what's happened is, is over this past year, 2017, we've been leaning in as a team, church staff, deacons, directors, pastors, and we've been been listening. What's the inner voice of the Holy Spirit? God, what are you saying about the future of glad tidings? And this inside pressure, not outside, inside pressure is building inside of us. It's like God has conceived something in us that has to come out. Ladies, you understand this, okay? <laughs> Those of you who have, have gone through the labor and the delivery process of a child, you understand what it's like to conceive something and something to grow in you. And, and then all of a sudden, one day you wake up, there is this pressure there and you're in labor. And they call them labor pains for a reason. Labor and delivery at the hospital for a reason. It's labor, right? And there's this inside pressure. And I remember when um, we were expecting our first child. And uh, the day came for the baby to be born. And we rushed to the hospital, Clarkson Hospital. And uh, admitted and the contractions are getting closer and closer. And the labor pains are getting more and more severe. And uh, Carrie is walking down the hall and she turns to me and she looks at me and she says, I can't do this. 
Honestly, she looked at me. Well, I can't do this. She said, we've got to go home. We've got to go home. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, baby, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, when God conceives something in you, you, you have to go through the labor and give birth to what God has put in you. And we feel like God has conceived something in us that we must give birth to. We must give birth to. So what is God calling us to do? What is God calling us as a church to do? He's calling us to do something that he's already asked us to do. But let me be specific what it is today. Let me go general first and then we'll go specific. He's calling us to go. He said go. It's time for the glad tidings to go and multiply the mission of God like we've never done in the history of glad tidings church. He's calling us to go. He's calling us to go to the nations. We've added It's time to multiply. We've added services. We've added buildings. We've added staff. We've added volunteers. We've added programs. Right. And God has been faithful and God has added to our number daily those who are being saved. And that's incredible. But here's the deal. God's vision for God's church is much bigger than addition. He was happy to add to the church in Jerusalem, but he wanted to multiply the mission throughout the earth. God is calling us to go and multiply his mission among the unreached and the unsaved. And here's why. The why is really important. Okay, why is God calling us to go and multiply? Is it so that we can be a mega church and make a name for ourselves? God forbid. Is God calling us to go because lost people are dying and going to hell? Well, that's a good answer. But it's bigger than that. God's calling us to go and multiply. Here's why. Because Jesus is worthy to be worshipped. Jesus is worthy to be worshipped among every unreached and unchurched person living on the face of the planet. Let's not make it about lost people. Let's make it about the worship of Jesus. That's what it's about. The reason that the, 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 the mission of the church exists is because the worship of God doesn't. God has called us to bring Jesus to the nations. Not so people don't go to hell. It's so that Jesus is worshipped. And the icing on the cake is we get to spend eternity with Jesus. But the reason we do it is not for the lost, the suffering, the dying. The reason we do it is because Jesus is the lamb. And he receives, he deserves the reward of his suffering. He deserves to be worshipped. He's worthy of nothing less than to be proclaimed and loved and worshipped and obeyed in every cultural context. That's God's mission. And he first gave it to Abraham. He said, Abraham, um, you don't deserve this, but I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing to the nations. And out of Abraham came Jesus. Right? And Jesus was a blessing to the nations. And God gave this mandate to the church as well. And he said, I want you now to be a blessing to the nations. Just like Abraham. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. In Revelation 15, verse 4, John, the the revelator, we call him. He was the apostle John. He was caught up in this vision. He wrote this in Revelation 15, 4. He said, all nations will come and worship before you. Let's make the mission of God about the worship of God. Are you hearing me? The reason you're telling your neighbor the story of Jesus is not so he can go to heaven when he dies. It's so that your neighbor can worship Jesus. 
God saved you not from an eternal hell. He saved you for eternal worship. Are you guys awake? Am I the only one excited? Maybe you're all introverts. I'm an introvert too. But every once in a while something happens. I don't know what it is. So what is God calling us to do? He's calling us to go and multiply the mission. Why? Because Jesus is worthy to be worshipped. Now we're going to dive into the how. Okay? Now the how. This is awesome. So how is God leading us to go and multiply? Six strategies. Say that with me. Six strategies. Okay? Uh, Our pastors, our directors, our deacon board, we've come together this past year. God, how? How do we go and multiply? What does that look like for glad tidings? The first way in which we're going to go and multiply is this. We are adding a fourth step to our transformation process. And that fourth step is called go. Go. Jesus said, go. And we're going to go. And we're going to be so intentional about going. We felt like it's time to add a fourth step. So catch this with me. We connect with God. We grow in groups. We serve one another. Why? So we can go, right? We're not going to get stuck in Jerusalem, connecting, growing, serving one another. We're going to go. So the reason Acts 2 exists is to prepare them to go. Nine years ago, when we established Connect, Grow, Serve, uh, we were a hurting bunch. Okay. If you were part of Glad Tidings in that day, we went through some difficult transitions. We were hurting. We were very uh, inwardly focused uh, and upwardly focused, but we were not outwardly focused. And our process reflected that. We wanted to be the Acts 2 church. And I do. I want to be the Acts 2 church. But the Acts 2 church was not. That was its beginning. Okay, that's where it started. And then it went to going from there. The Acts 2 church. We want to be the church that was together. That was glad that was eating. (laughs) We've ate a lot of meals in the last nine years (laughs) and they were all good. (laughs) Right. And there were miracles happening and God was adding to their. That's what we wanted to be. And that's what we've been for nine years. God has blessed. God has blessed. But we don't want to get stuck in Jerusalem. So here's what's broken about connect, grow, serve. Okay, what's broken about that is it equips us. But it doesn't send us. It equips us, but it doesn't send us. It doesn't encourage us to go. It encourages us to stay. This is a great place to be. This is a great church to be. I love this. I love that. See, we could be connecting, growing and serving very well and never be reaching lost people. Who would become worshipers of Jesus. So here's what we've we've identified as a team. Our process, connect, grow, serve is incomplete. It's not only incomplete, it's selfish and it's totally unacceptable and it's hindering us. It is a stumbling block to us fulfilling the great commission and God wants it to be a stepping stone. So Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. He said, go, I'm sending you. He said, go compel them to come in. And so what are we going to do? We're going to go. We're adding fourth step to our process called go. If you believe that's the will of God, say amen. Amen. So we connect, we grow, and we serve. Why? So we can go. How else is God leading us to go and multiply? We are launching a new and exciting ministry to young adults here at Glad Tidings Church. All right, I like this group over here. I'm going to preach over here today. 
We'll go over there, right? So what are we doing? We've noticed that um, our young adults between the ages of 18 and 25, um, they're, they're finding it difficult to connect, grow, and serve here at Glad Tidings. Um, something's broken there. Something's not right. And this past year, we've worked really hard to understand why that is and to make the necessary changes. And so the change that we are making is we are launching a new ministry uh, to young adults designed to create community among the young adults that will then lead them to connect, grow, serve, and go with us. Okay, this new ministry will address the unique needs that young adults have, as well as give them opportunities to contribute to the mission of Glad Tidings. Uh, We don't want to leave any generation behind in going and multiplying. We want all the nations to come with us and especially our young adults. And we feel like in the last three or four years, uh, we've not done a good job with that. So we're launching this new ministry. I'm very, very excited about it. And I'm pleased to announce to you today that uh, Videgla Sepke is going to direct our young adult ministry here at Glad Tidings. Videgla, Katie, please. And they're, they're going to share in just a, a moment, but let me just introduce you to Katie and Videgla if you don't know them well. Uh, Videgla was born in Togo, West Africa, and he moved here to the U.S. about 14 years ago. Uh, he graduated from UNO, and he works for OPPD as, they, as a center of excellence manager where he oversees business transformation. And I want to say, uh, no longer do you just oversee business transformation, you oversee young adult transformation here at Glad Tidings. Uh, Katie was born in Danville, California and moved to Omaha in 2008 to pursue her medical education. And today she's an OBGYN at Creighton Bergen Mercy Hospital here just down the street. So Katie knows a little something about inside pressure uh, for sure. Uh, both Videgla and Katie, this is so cool about their story. Um, they both submitted to the Lordship of Christ right here at Glad Tidings in 2009. Uh, they were baptized here, filled with the Holy Spirit here at Glad Tidings. Uh, they met each other here at Glad Tidings, married, uh, have served in several ministries. Uh, so now they're married and now they have three little boys who are all under the age of three. Pray for them, right? Awesome. Love it. So, Videgla, thank you for saying yes. And Katie, thank you for saying yes. Tell us a little bit what's happening here in the next well, First of weeks. all, thank you so much, Pastor Walt. I mean, it's such an honor to serve in this great house, uh, in, the Lord, in the house of the Lord, uh, and, 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 and cater to a young adult. Um, it's just been a burning desire in our heart to see a ministry here, Glad Tidings for Young Adults, and we just appreciate the fact that uh, you made room for that. Um, one thing I know about young adults is that the passion. They want to love the Lord with all their heart, with all their strength. They want to go after it. And we want to see that. We want to see young adults engage here at the church and, and really bring the vibrancy to the church. So I love that, that we're already a hot church, but I believe that the young adult will take it to red hot. Yeah. Um, so on January 19th is where we will have our official kickoff. And it's going to be right here at the church. It's a Friday at 6.30 p.m. And so if you have anything on your calendar, please just, just cancel it right away and just make sure you're here. So. So if you fit uh, the age group between 18 to 25, or you consider yourself a young adult, or maybe just young at heart, despite some grays in your hair, like my husband has, 
He's definitely young at heart, and I really appreciate that. Um, but anyways, if, if that fits your description, please come January 29th because we have a really awesome night planned. Now, I remember as a, as a young adult just having a lot of different choices in front of me and opportunities, but really a lot of areas of my life were quite directionless or even visionless. Uh, trying to learn how to date, how to find a spouse, financial um, management, emotional intelligence, finding out what my spiritual giftings were. So what we really see this as is a platform for biblical community for us to, in a way, help uh, young adults to reach their potential, their God-given potential, to, to seek their purpose, to seek their, their spiritual gifting. So we are very, very excited for what God is doing. So again, January 19th, we don't even have a name for the ministry yet, but the beauty of, about this is that you guys get to help us shape what it will look like and to serve a young adult here at the church. So very excited. And again, thank you, Pastor Walt, for this. Awesome. All right, I'm excited about that. I, I feel like I'm between 18 and 25 right now. I'm just feeling it. All right. Katie and Videgla, thank you for saying yes. Uh, go young adults. Go young adults. Exciting, excited about that. So how else is God leading us to go and multiply? How else? We are launching a church multi-site and church planting strategy here at Glad Tidings. Church multi-site and church planting strategy. Let me explain. The model for church multiplication in the New Testament is simply this. It's churches planting churches. And all throughout church history, biblical history, church history, you'll find that the most effective way to reach a community is to not add another program to the church or add a staff evangelist or do some type of big outreach, the most effective way to reach a community is to plan a church. And there are basically two, two ways that you can, you can multiply the church, okay? You can literally plant a new church or you can launch a new campus, okay? And let me describe the difference between the two. If we were going to plant a new church, that church would not be a glad tidings church. It would be named something else. It would be led by uh, a, a, a pastor who has a vision to plant a church, maybe in Nebraska or, or who knows, California or Uganda somewhere. But God raises up somebody within the house with a church planting heart and they share that, that vision they have and we see it and, and it seems right to us and the Holy Spirit to send them out like Paul and Barnabas to plant this church. And we establish a... Uh, a, a church plant somewhere in the world, okay? That's one, that's one part of our vision. We, we believe God's going to give us the grace to plant churches. Uh, the other kind of um, church would be a, um, a new campus, which would be another glad tidings church, but just in a different location. Uh, and that's not new to you. You've heard of that before. Other churches are doing that. Um, the University of Nebraska has done that. The University of Nebraska has four locations in the state of Nebraska. Starbucks has, <laughs> I did some research. All right. Some of you already know this number. Uh, Starbucks has 27,339 stores worldwide. So we have a little bit to do to catch up to them. Okay. All right. One university, one coffee shop. 
multiple locations. We believe God's going to give us the grace to do the same thing here at Glad Tidings. And we have actually, uh, we've asked Pastor Raphael Aristi, our executive pastor, to kind of lead the charge in this part of the vision. And he's located four different locations throughout our, our Omaha metro area that could potentially be another site for a Glad Tidings campus, okay? Uh, one of those sites in particular is about eight miles from here, from this location, and uh, it, uh, it includes about five zip codes, and we discovered that within that location of five zip codes, there are 400 family units from Glad Tidings represented in that part of our city, eight miles away, okay? And that may take you 15 minutes to get here to this location, right? And that's right in your backyard. So we're asking the question, okay, maybe that's where God would have us for our first um, multi-site campus. Now, why would we do that? Why would we plant another campus in a, in a part of our city where there are 400 family units? Would it be so it's convenient for you? Somebody say no. Because we don't care about you. <laughs> right? We've already reached you. You're already driving 15, 20 minutes to come to Glad Times. You'll, you'll go wherever it is, right? Amen. We want to reach your neighborhood. Do you want to reach your neighborhood? So what if we launched a campus in your neighborhood? Not so you could have a five-minute drive or, or walk to church, but so that you could, you could invite your neighbors to a church that's in their neighborhood. And they may not drive 15 or 20 minutes to come to this campus, but they may be more inclined to go to a campus right in their neighborhood, right in their area. That's why we're doing it. Okay? See, our vision is to reach Omaha, reach the world. And to reach Omaha, we need to plant churches in the Omaha area. We've got a lot of churches already. Right? But we have a, we have a unique fingerprint. I want to plant a church that reaches the nations, that reaches the nations. And the more people we include in our, in our church multiplication efforts, the more nations we can reach. All right. So our faith goal is to launch our first campus in September of this year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Wow, that is a faith goal. That's nine months away, right? That's really putting things on the fast pace, right? Well, for that to happen, we have to confirm the location. Who's going to lead at that location? Uh, who will be part of that launch team for that location, right? And it's going to take a lot of money. It can take anywhere from a quarter of a million to half a million dollars to, to get that first campus going, launched that first year. It costs a lot of money. Rentals expensive, buildings expensive, etc., etc. But listen, God owns it all. And if it's his plan, right, and it's his vision, and God says go, we're going to go until God says no. So this is exciting, and uh, we're hoping to give you more developments towards that plan within the next 90 days uh, to see where God is leading us in church multi-site and church planting. How else is God leading us to go and multiply? Uh, we are launching a global strategy. Somebody say global. We're going to go global. And what that means is this. Um, we want to reach the nations in Omaha and around the world. And we are going to do that by simply developing strategic relationships um, here in Omaha and around the world. 
Okay, the Assemblies of God has a um, a mission strategy right now. Instead of instead of sending missionaries to an unreached people group, they send teams to unreached people groups. They're called live dead teams. And moving ahead, we want to partner with those live dead teams in particular areas of the world. For example, uh, we'd like to partner with live dead India. In fact, we already have. It's called Frothy Mongoose. That's an example of a of a partnership. It's not a one time project where we dump and run or we we um, blow in, blow up, blow out kind of a thing. No, this is a long term relationship we want to build with North India with that team that's establishing the frothy mongoose. What that means is, is our small groups are going to be praying for that team, video conference with that with uh, with that team every month and going and visiting on site in North India, that team. Okay, how is this different? Well, in the past, what we've done is we've sent missions teams just wherever missionary calls says, hey, come. We say, "Okay, we'll go. But we haven't been strategic in the past. And moving forward, we want to be strategic with our global mission. We want to pray strategically, give strategically and go strategically. And so those strategic partnerships that we build, those relationships that we build, we want to go back to year after year after year. So we may have three or four locations around the globe that we go back to every year. We send teams to work with those live dead teams. Is that making some sense to you? Right. So, for example, in just a couple months, I am taking a small team to Istanbul, Turkey, Lord willing, and we are going to go there and we're going to explore the possibility of developing a strategic partnership with them. So next year we bring another team in and we live with that live dead team for 10 days. We experience what it's like to live among the unreached, to 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 pray, to train, uh, taste, touch and, and feel what it is to to, to be among unreached peoples for 10 days. Just get a, get the heart of God for it. Uh, and we want to send you as well. Another thing that we're going to do in terms of our global mission is this. Um, I've asked Pam Franks, our missions director, to put together a, a strategic missionary pipeline. Uh, and what that is, is those that God raises up within the house here at Glad Tidings, we're going to put them in this training pipeline to get them ready to go. And I'm very excited about that. Um, Pam has done a tremendous job of putting that pipeline together. If you're interested, you'll have an opportunity in the next few weeks just to see what's involved to be launched as a missionary from this house. Okay, how else are we uh, going and multiplying? Uh, we are launching a leadership development process, a leadership development process. Now, this is not the first time you've heard that. But I want you to understand how important it is for us, for us to be able to multiply the mission of God in the earth. We have to multiply leaders. So here at Glad Tidings, historically, we have not done a good job of multiplying leaders. Uh, we've done a good job of multiplying volunteers. We have about 900 volunteers that serve here at Glad Tidings. So we recruit, we train, we appreciate volunteers, but we've not been intentional about raising up leaders. And you cannot multiply the mission. You cannot multiply churches, missionaries, ministers, marketplace ministers without leadership development. So we're launching this leadership development process. Uh, and it's important for us that, um, that are uh, spiritually minded to understand that leadership is not secular. It's not secular. It's sacred. Okay. Uh, it, tell me that Jesus was not an amazing leader. Tell me that he did not develop an incredible leadership team to do what? Multiply his mission in the earth. 
And so for us to multiply, we have to become effective uh, at leadership development. And Pastor Jason Carter has been assigned that task as our leadership development pastor. And uh, two weeks from today, he's going to be presenting what that leadership development process looks like and how you can be involved. Now, we believe this. There are many servants in the house of God. A lot of you are serving, serving, serving. But God has put more in you. There's more in you to give and to advance the kingdom of God. And we are going to help develop that and bring that out. And we are so excited about that. It's awesome. Okay, drum roll, please. This is the last, the last thing we're doing to go and multiply. Drum roll, drum roll, please. Okay, here it is. After 80 years of being glad tidings, it's time to change our name. I'll, I'll take that as an amen. amen. So before I tell you what it is, let me tell you why. And you're going to start connecting the dots here and it's going to make some sense to you. I guarantee you several times in scripture, when God was ready to change a person's direction, he changed their name as well. Abram became Abraham when God said, you're going to bless the nations. Sarai to Sarah for the same reason. Jacob to Israel, Cephas to Peter, and of course, Saul to the apostle Paul. And with each name change, there was a new vision to lead, a new vision to bless others, a new vision to go to all people with the good news. And this is a new day for glad tidings, and we're going after the unreached and the unchurched like never before in the history of our church. And we believe that our name should reflect this new direction. All right. So you want to know what it is? Uh, Give me a couple minutes. Let's go back in history a little bit. Come on, let's see the history slide. Let me take you back to 1936. All right, go ahead. That's all right. Let me give you history, okay? Pastor Ellie King, he planted a church in downtown Omaha, and it was first called the Gospel Tabernacle. Uh, And shortly after they planted this church, about six months later, they discovered there was another Gospel Tabernacle in Omaha. So they said, we can't be Gospel Tabernacle. Let's let's change the name. And so they they, they chose a name with the same meaning. The same meaning, and they called it glad tidings, and that's who we are today. Glad tidings is an old-fashioned English word, and it means good news. We know that. In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, the angel said, I bring glad tidings of great joy that will be for all people. So we understand that glad tidings means good news, but here's the problem. Glad tidings is not good news for a lot of people. And here's why. Today, we don't use that kind of language, and many people don't know what glad tidings means. So we've decided it's time to translate our name into modern day English. And so beginning today, glad tidings is now Good News Church. Good News Church. After the first service this morning, after we announced this, this big change, uh, I had this father come up to me and he goes, Pastor Juan, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you a story. He said, uh, he said, a couple weeks ago, uh, I was talking to my son. He's got a young, young son. And his son said, Dad, what does glad tidings mean? And dad said, well, glad tidings means good news. And the boy said to his father, he goes, well, why don't we just call it good news church then? <laughs> I'm like, man, there's a prophet among us, you know, <laughs> 
So with our vision for reaching the unreached and the unchurched, we believe that Good News Church clearly communicates who we are. We are Good News Church for all people. All right. And as we enter a new chapter in our church's story, we are marking it with a new name. I love it. And while our identity has not changed, our vision for taking the good news to all people is now expanding. It's now expanding. So gospel tabernacle, glad tidings, good news, all means the same thing. So our name really hasn't changed. We're just translating it into modern day English to reach the unreached and to the unchurched and to really reflect who we are. We are good news for all people. Now, with a new name, we've got to have a new logo, right? Yeah, so you're dying for that too, right? So here's what our new logo looks like. My name is Nicholas. I'm the communications director here, and uh, and I care a lot about how we communicate our message. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, things like logo and name and brand probably don't seem like very spiritual things to you, but I think that they can be tools to help us communicate the good news, the message that we have. So we really care about this. Um, our logo says something about who we are. If you have a bulletin, it's got the old logo on it. And, uh, and, and you'll see that it's a cross surrounded by a mosaic of colors that represent the nations surrounding and coming to the cross. And that really says something about who we are. That's, that's true. That's not changing. But with a new vision for going to all people with the good news, we have an opportunity to say something new about who we are. So in our new logo, with Jesus at the center of everything, the nations are not only coming around and gathering around the cross, they're also extending out from it, representing us, taking the good news to all people. Amen? Um, In the next few weeks, we're going to be rolling out the new logo and the new brand in several places. You'll see some visual things changing. Our color palette is getting brighter and more vibrant. And we're also being really intentional about the language that we use, the written words, to make sure that that it has life and personality. And I want to say something briefly about our mission statement. So if you've been around for any length of time, you've probably heard someone say or seen it written somewhere that we exist to lead all people from all backgrounds to real transformation in Christ. And that's a really great mission statement. And it's, it's still true. But if you're going to introduce yourself to someone for the first time and you're telling them about yourself or your organization or whatever, um, if you just came right out and said your mission statement, that would come across a little aggressive and maybe a little impersonal. And that's because a mission statement is for the people inside of an organization. It's for us to know what we're on mission for. Right. So but we wanted to create some language that would help uh, be be easily understood and communicate um, what we're really about in just common language. 
And so in branding, there's this idea of a positioning statement. And it's basically the one most important thing you want everyone to know about our church. And here's ours. Good news is a church where anyone can be transformed by the story of Jesus. That says something about who we are, right? And this is really more of a conversational statement. So good news is a church where anyone, all people, all nations from all backgrounds can be transformed. That's that reference to real transformation that you hear Pastor Walt talking about all the time. By the story of Jesus. And that right there, the story of Jesus, that's the good news. That's the gospel. You ask, what is the good news? It's the story of Jesus. And it's the whole story. And when we tell it to others, it includes your story and it includes my story. Because we experience real transformation when we hear the story of Jesus, when we believe it, and when we enter into it. So as you're talking to people about your story, as you're telling them about what Jesus has done for you, um, our hope is that you can use this type of language to describe Good News Church and, and, and how it connects to your story here. Um, we're going to be rolling out the brand in the next few weeks. You're going to see some things changing. But the first thing that is changing is our website. We have a brand new website, and you can visit it at goodnews.church. It's not .com or .org. We're staying right on brand, goodnews.church. Um, you're going to go there, and you're going to see stories of people whose lives have been transformed by the story of Jesus. And my hope is that you can look at those stories and think about how Jesus has transformed your story and share that with us too. Thank you. Thank you, Nicholas. How many of you believe that what lies before us is greater than what lies behind us? Um, I want you to stand with me, if you would. And we're going to pray here in just a moment. So moving forward, when people ask you, well, tell me about your church. Good news is a church, right? Where anyone can be transformed by the story of Jesus. And here's how the story of Jesus has changed my life. I love it. I love it. I love it. I know this. I know that um, change is is difficult, even good change, right? Uh, And you probably think that I'm the kind of guy that loves change. And I think I've confessed this before. I don't love change. I I like routine. I like things to stay the same. My wife has to ask me, did you wear that yesterday? Shouldn't you wear something different today? You know, I'm the guy that likes things always the same. But I realized the mission is so important that change becomes necessary. The mission of God is so important that change becomes necessary. Somebody came up to me after the last service and they said, Pastor, you have a new name too. And I said, well, what's that? It's Pastor Change. I'm Pastor Change. And I told him, I said, you know, that's so funny because I feel like we're making a lot of changes around here. But when I go home, I don't want to change anything. I just want everything to be the same. But listen, as we're making these changes and we're, we're processing them, and oh man, that's different. I don't know. I'm not real crazy about that or this. I, I get it. I understand that. Remember this, that when you're processing change, think about the things that never change. Think about the things that never change. God's mission 
for the church will never change, right? Why we do what we do will never change. How we go about doing it, we're learning, and that type of thing changes as we're trying to reach a changing culture. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for this opportunity today to um, to process and embrace what you have for glad tidings. God, we realize that you've put before us a great task. And that's bringing this gospel, this good news to all the world. God, we pray that you would fill us fresh with your Holy Spirit so that we can go and multiply your mission. God, we embrace this, this new strategy. We embrace this, this, this new name, God. And we pray that, Lord, it will help us. It will help us to reach all people, God. Lord, I pray today, God, for everyone that is here, that we would all find our place in, in going and multiplying and spreading this good news. And God, I pray over the next few weeks as we're going through this 21 days of fasting and prayer. God, that you would do in us what you did in those 120 believers that were waiting in Jerusalem. That you would do in us what you did in them. That you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. That you would give us the gift and give us the power, God. So that when, when, when we have that, God, we can, like Peter, we can stand up and we can speak up. And we can tell the story of Jesus with boldness as never before. Lord, we ask that your kingdom would come to glad tidings. Good news, church that your kingdom would come and your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. God, I pray that you would bless us so that we can be a blessing to the nations. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. 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 Let's put our hands together for the Lord. Can we do that? Amen. Okay, man. Get out your phones, right? Get on social media and spread the good news. God bless you. Have a wonderful week in Jesus.